Soil is a vital living ecosystem that supports plants, animals, and humans. It's teeming with billions of bacteria, fungi, and other microbes that are the foundation of a complex ecosystem. Viewing soil this way reflects a fundamental shift in the way we care for it. Today on the podcast, we're talking with Jimmy Emmons, a farmer and rancher from Leedy, Oklahoma. Welcome to the show, Jimmy. So, Jimmy Emmons, uh, Leedy, Oklahoma in Dewey County. Uh, my wife, Ginger, and I uh, have lived there all our lives. Uh, got married at a fairly early age, sweethearts. Uh, we have one full-time employee, Carson Leibold. He's uh, been with me now 13 years. Uh, great asset to the operation. And so we farm about almost 2,000 acres of production land, multiple crops. Uh, we have about five to 5,500 acres of range land that we run a mother cow operation on as, as well. And then we fully utilize our cover crops in between the cash crops for grazing of them animals. Well, I was in the conservation arena. I was uh, coming up through the chairs in our conservation districts and we went to a national meeting. I actually heard David Brandt talking uh, about what he was doing in Ohio and it, with cover crops and, and cropping scenarios. And it, it really uh, set me off to thinking, uh, what could I do in Oklahoma? Is that possible? Uh, my, my light really came on that day. Uh, and so I came back and started looking at that and uh, quickly decided uh, maybe I shouldn't do this alone. Uh, didn't know anything about cover crops. Afraid that he's going to use too much water. You know, all the, the, the things that we talk about nowadays uh, as, as fears for others. And uh, so I reached out to my local NRCS, my conservation district, and the Conservation Commission, and uh, Noble Research. I had done work with each one of them at, here and there, uh, but not collectively together. And I asked them all if I would make my farm a demonstration place. Uh, if they would help me talk about uh, developing a soil health program. And of course they were all in and uh, has been a great team uh, that we've put together and, and they've helped me and I've helped them and we've pushed one another uh, back and forth through this period of growth and understanding and uh, it's been a, a, an awesome uh, experience for us. Of course that led into field days and um, me talking on the farm about what we were doing. They, they also talked about that uh, as we were out in the field. And then, I don't know, just all of a sudden, people said, would you come and uh, visit with us? And I kind of started that. And then before long, it was, can you come to another state? Can you travel across the country? And before long, I was in 17, 18 states in a, a short period. Uh, I've been very blessed uh, with great people around me and I've met people all over the world uh, that I now network with that bring me so much wisdom. Uh, I, I was telling some people at a meeting last night, everybody thinks uh, I go to teach or talk about what I'm doing at these conferences and meetings and uh, I, I normally learn more than I think I ever teach or share with anybody. And I think that's what we all should do. Uh, and that's really been a, a cool part of what, what we've been doing the last 10 years. You know, I started at an early age. Uh, my granddad rented me a piece of land 
and I put my first crop in at age nine. Uh, so I started pretty, pretty young. Uh, I'll never forget my dad bought uh, the first diesel tractor uh, in 1965. I would have only been five years old, but it, it really stuck out to me because it was massive uh, at that time, you know, a 3020, which now is not even a utility tractor hardly. Uh, and I still have that tractor, but he came home, he had a four row planter uh, and, and my gosh, 65 horsepower versus where we were at with an age on deer. Uh, in that four row planter, we went from two rows to four rows and it had these big boxes on it that, that weren't seed boxes. And, uh, you know, it's it fascinating to me. And uh, I remember granddad bringing home this pickup load in a, his 61 model Chevrolet pickup of these plastic looking sacks. And uh, they actually were fertilizer. And we'd never used fertilizer that I know of before that. And uh, they, they put that on the cotton that year in them new boxes on the planters, a 407 John Deere planter. Uh, we still have that thing you know, sitting in the weeds. Uh, that was really something totally different uh, than we'd ever done before. And I remember dad and granddad discussing that and maybe even arguing about it a little bit, you know, adding cost and was that make any money and whatnot. And uh, my granddad retired uh, shortly after that and actually made a boat tarp with them plastic sacks that we kept for years over the boat. So that, you know, that was the first uh, started change in our farming operation was the new equipment, uh, fertilizer. And then uh, a few years later, uh, we started using Prowl as, as herbicide control in cotton and, and spraying that out. And we never had had a sprayer uh, prior to that. And, uh, you know, granddad was like, and this is a totally different than I've ever operated. So that really stuck in my mind, uh, them great changes at that time. You know, so we went through a, quite a transitional period in the 90s. Um, our, my operation in Ginger's was growing. Uh, my dad had grown a pretty good size operation. Um, and I wanted to try this new technology called no-till and uh, lots of opposition uh, on the family table and conversation about that. Uh, you know, that will never work, uh, you know. And so that was kind of a trying period uh, for me and, and Ginger and dad and granddad. Uh, I tell everybody um, I've been very blessed, uh, but it's also a tragic time because uh, one year we lost granddad to a tragic wreck uh, and my dad was sick with cancer at that time and I lost him within the year. And so the two rocks that I'd always had as background to argue with or encourage or whatever were gone. Uh, and we see that in a lot of operations that sometimes that's, that can be a hindrance in new technologies and new advances. Um, and so I didn't have that. I was free to, to uh, experiment myself then. And I probably went overboard. You know how it is, you, you, you jump from one extreme to another. And uh, uh, man, we were going leaps and bounds and I was increasing fertilizer and chemicals and, and all. And then just all at once, 
I realized I was going the wrong way. My, my cost was going up. My profitability was coming down. No-till wasn't working the way it worked in the beginning. Uh, but once again, I still had the mindset uh, from that generational that it needed to be clean. We wasn't even thinking about cover crops. You know, the cleaner, the better. And in, in Oklahoma, we were creating a brick and, and, and a hard layer on the top with that and a baking effect, so to speak, in the summertime. And so that was a major transitional period for me. And then, like I said earlier, when I heard David Brandt and cover crops, it just, the light switch just tripped and it was 480 instead of 110, uh, what we might could do. And uh, so it was a big transitional period uh, from 1995 to about 2000. Uh, I started no-tilling in 95 and I lost uh, dad and granddad in 96 and seven. So that, that was a, a, a big period uh, in there that, of change. Yeah, it was a big transitional period as I started uh, working with the team, the partnership in Oklahoma for the, the goals that I'd set out at cover crops. Uh, you know, we still weren't zeroed in on all the benefits of that, but as I traveled around to meetings and heard and listened and started my network, of building great friends across the globe, uh, I began pushing myself more and, and asking NRCS to measure my water infiltration. Because when actually when I started irrigating, it was quite common uh, to put on a half inch at a pass. And if we put on more than that, we were running water out of the field. And uh, we thought that was normal. And uh, uh, what we quickly learned as we started down this uh, time period that uh, we need to improve our aggregation and you know, what was that? You know, we, some of us hadn't even heard that word hardly spoken at the office. And uh, so that's when we started measuring the infiltration rates. We started looking at our soils differently and, and uh, how light they were, lack of carbon and why, and, and what we had done to them uh, over the years. And uh, it really started opening me up to look in the bar ditch, look in undisturbed areas, and, and really started learning what we had done and didn't even realize we had done to our soil by farming the carbon out and, and really degrading it. And, and then it started to hit, you know, as one trigger in your mind triggers another, is like, oh, well, that's why we had to start putting fertilizer on. Oh, that's why we started having more weed trouble, more chemicals. And then that started to, oh yeah, I just kept growing and growing that. Uh, and that wasn't sustainable. And that really started hitting me. And uh, so I started trying to figure that out. And the partnership's like, yeah, let's, let's look at that more. And, um, you know, that led to uh, totally changing our soil classification on, on our farm that, uh, the first field that we started in 10 years ago. And you know, that's not heard of a lot across the country. And, and uh, I've, I've had several debates about that, but the proof is in the pudding in, in the field. What you can do when you start storing carbon, your aggregation starts growing, your microbiology starts growing. Uh, I tell everybody your system starts clicking like it was supposed to. Um, and we had lost that. But I think we lost it so slow 
and so gradual that we didn't even know it went away. And uh, it's slow to come back and gradual. And you've got to be patient. And, and Jimmy's never been very patient. You know, we, we want everything instant. Uh, but once again, you've got to understand the context of we went from a great system that was standing on its own to a very dependent system uh, that couldn't even function on its own. And so to rebuild that and regenerate that uh, takes time and understanding. Uh, every living being on this planet has to have water. It has to have food. It breathes in oxygen, exhales CO2 and water vapor. Regardless of what you think, we all do that. And you have to realize that to understand the, the concept of regeneration and the, and the whole community-based approach in the system. That, that below our ground is more living beings than we have on the planet above ground. And, and we've missed that uh, in the past. And once you understand that and you get a microscope and you start learning how you can build that community, it, it, it changes you. I, I, I don't know any other word, that, but it changes the way you think about things. You, you start thinking about what you eat, what you drink, what you do on the land. Everything we do has an impact. And it's up to us to either be a positive impact or a negative. And, and I try to focus on positive. Yeah, I mean, we have a great network in USDA uh, field offices. Most every producer has been to a field office with FSA or NRCS to sign up in some type of a program. The conservation districts are located in a lot of them offices. Not all, but most of them. Uh, they're a great resource because there's producers on FSA boards and conservation districts that are your neighbors and friends. And their mission is to help you and, and to help facilitate your ability to grow and maintain and be profitable. Um, is it a perfect system? Not always, but there's lots of great people out there that's willing to help. And, and if you get a no or a not so strong yes, just keep encouraging and keep visiting and looking around. Uh, and I'll find that they're there. Um, and the partnership in Oklahoma has been very, very strong. We're blessed uh, with a great partnership of the commission, the districts, and USDA. And uh, they've been very helpful to me. Uh, but like I said, we're not all perfect. We have areas uh, that could be better. And uh, that's what we're working on now is how do we, how can we be better? Uh, but for a producer out there that's wanting to get started, start with the conservation district. And uh, mo most of them have some form of cost share to help other than USDA. That's a good starting spot to, to learn how programs work and cost share. NRCS has lots of programs like EQIP and CSP and numerous new programs that's coming out that can really help a producer financially experiment with some cover crops and no-till. A lot of the districts have drills to rent. So, you know, you don't have to do this on your own. Uh, there is help. Uh, and if there isn't, uh, 
you know, let somebody know because uh, we, we've got to be better where we're not. Yeah, the, the very first field that we started down the soil health road, I want to say, or journey, <clears throat> I spent a many hours uh, knife sledding cotton uh, in that field, fighting sand, blowing in the summertime. And, and actually part of that field, my granddad never farmed because it was too sandy uh, that we now farm. Uh, and I remember uh, on that 30-20 spring toothing in the spring with the sand blowing and trying to stop, stop it from blowing, just sand blasting you with the sand coming off the fender and holding over there. And it's like, there's gotta be a better way. There's gotta be a better way than this. Of course, the, the whole idea was put a cab on the tractor then. That was the better way. And it took us a while to figure out that we had to treat the soil different. Now, if you come and look at that field, we keep a constant mat, armor on the ground, cover, residue, you know, you can call it whatever you want, but it's protecting that. Uh, I vowed that my land would never blow again. Uh, sometimes don't ever say never because we had a big wildfire in 2018 and I burned all the residue. And I had some land that, that blew for a few days before I could get it covered again. Uh, so never say never, but it's transformed that whole field uh, back. I remember my granddad talking in 1934, they had a big flood event in that field. It scoured it off uh, as deep as they had plowed, which in them days was probably just a few inches. Uh, and then it done it again in the, in the 1950s with my dad. Um, I hope I never see that again. And I think with the system that we're in, uh, now our water infiltration rates are six to eight inches an hour versus a half inch. Uh, and it's straight down. Uh, NRCS has really proven that. Uh, our soil classification now is to a mollic soil, which is very dark with carbon. It was always very sandy loam, white sand in spots that my granddad didn't farm. So it's really almost a different farm or a different field than I remember. But then I also have a journal from 1876 of a cattle driver that come up that was in charge of a 9,000 head of cattle on the Great Western Trail. And it comes through our property. And he talked about the grass being so tall that they even lost baby calves because the calves couldn't walk with the cows in the grass in them fields that, that we farm today. So I would like to think that we're getting closer to getting back to that. We're not there. Uh, I'm not pleased at where we're at. I'm pleased at the direction we're going. I think we've accomplished a lot, but our work is far from done because we don't have it all figured out yet. Uh, and that's why I do what I do, is to learn more, experience more, much like we're doing today uh, at these field days, sharing and listening to others share so I can take some knowledge home with me that I can share with my friends and neighbors and my partnership uh, that will help us. Uh, I believe that we can rebuild the soil. I think we can change the classifications of the soil by putting more carbon and more water and more nutrients and more biology back in them. And uh, I think once you see that on your own land, you will never go back because 
once you see it, it's, it's something that you can't get out of your mind. That change, that transformation uh, from dead to alive. And, and that really touches me. And I think it touches all of us. I've seen people's presentations and, and their thought processes change totally once they see it on their own land. The Soil Health Podcast is a production of the Minokin Farm. Minokin Farm exists to foster natural resource education and systems approach conservation. This 150-acre demonstration farm, located just east of Bismarck, North Dakota, was established in 2009 and draws people from all over the world. The farm is owned and operated by Burley County Soil Conservation District, which has an office in Bismarck, North Dakota. Additional financial and technical support is provided by the North Dakota Department of Health, Water Quality Division, Natural Resources Conservation Service, and the U.S. Department of Agriculture.